right, welcome Sinisters to the podcast Sinister Stories to Tell in the Dark. I am the host, Kaylin, and my co-host is also my sister, Larissa. Hello, everyone. We have decided to start a podcast to discuss a lot of our favorite things, which includes true crime, urban legend, and our all-time favorite paranormal stories. We'll be starting our first episode with the paranormal story. We have had our own paranormal experiences growing up, um, so that is what kind of got us into paranormal itself. Yes, so when we, I was 10, Larissa was 8, we moved into a very haunted house. Um, It got, there were some weird things that started out, nothing too suspicious. Um, I was terrified of my closet downstairs where I was roomed by myself for the first time. Um, My parents decided to remodel, sent me upstairs with Larissa and made us a Jack and Jill bathroom and that's what set it off. Um, There were two primary ghosts that like to make a present to us. And um, the first one was, we called him creepy lumberjack guy. (laughs) And the second was a little girl. So leaving on that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and start our first episode. This is going to be about the Edinburgh Manor in Monticello, Iowa. The building was originally supposed to be a courthouse when the town was chosen to be the county seat. The plan changed and they kept the grant for the building. This is when it turned into the county poor farm. The poor farm housed the poor, incurably insane, and the disabled. It was advertised as comfortable retreat for the lazy, able-bodied, and willingly dependent applicants. And that was advertised in 1850. They would get food and shelter and trade for farming and agriculture and livestock. It operated from 1850 to 1910. 150 plus deaths were documented, but the total number is unknown. So these people were shipped to this house, um, this building. They were worked. They probably shouldn't have been worked in their conditions that they were in. And a lot of deaths came out of that. Yes, you know that they didn't get proper meds to help with their um, mental health issues. Um, They weren't treated the best. So it's just an overall sad energy from the the very get-go. Very sad case. So usually the tenants um, passed away there. They were called inmates. Um, But some were discharged, which was very rare. Or they ran away. Um, The bodies would be returned to the families. Sometimes there was no family. And sometimes the family declined to take the bodies. Um, Being insane or different in any way in the 1850s was an an embarrassment in those days. Um, They were often hidden. They didn't want anyone to talk about it. Um, And in those cases, the bodies would be buried in the cemetery. But there were also rumors where there were other places on the estate that they would bury bodies as well. So these people were just the forgotten period. They were shipped away because the families were embarrassed. They would die and the families would still be embarrassed that they were even alive in the first place. And as as far as I could tell, I don't know if they started burying bodies in other places on the estate because the cemetery was overcrowded. Um, If they just decided, I didn't want to carry this body any further, so let's just bury it here. Um, They weren't marked. It was just very sad. And these people, they were not taken care of when they were alive, let alone 
in death. their remains after they've passed away. Yes. The staff there probably just thought it was more annoying than anything to have to deal with. Correct. The poor farm closed and was demolished in 1910. The Edinburgh Manor was built in place of that. The construction took only a year and they opened in 1911. It was 12,000 square feet, including two floors and basement. It housed the incurably insane, the poor, and the elderly. The manor was closed in 2010. Overcrowding and being short-staffed occurred as it did in places similar to this. Abuse of all kinds took place here, emotional, physical, and even sexual. They preyed on those who can't defend themselves or tell anyone what's going on. So the poor farmhouse was torn down and they built this Edinburgh Manor in replace of that. And it was the same thing. Yeah. The same thing going on. They added elderly in there. So it was an asylum, an insane asylum, plus a nursing home and a homeless shelter. Um Sexual abuse is so high in nursing homes, first of all, in insane asylums. Um, Essentially, you never get caught unless you get one of the patients pregnant. And even then, it's hushed and pushed under the rug back in those days. It gives you kind of that American Horror Story feel of the asylum season. Um, There was obviously sexual abuse physical abuse there were scientists who would experiment obviously we don't know anything about that going on in here but same gist of how these people were taken care of yeah pretty much just a madhouse i mean it was day to day you hope you survive so out of control patients had to be restrained um, due to these issues and it being unsafe to live and work in any longer they closed the manor Uh, many personal items were left as well as medical files. Um, It gives an eerie as hell vibe. Um, It was like, essentially, life was paused in that moment. You walk through, and it's like everyone just ran away. Um, Also, between the personal items and all the bodies buried on the property, you know what that leads to. You guessed it. You guessed it. Haunted. Haunted. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a, a story like this, 160 years of these poor souls getting abused, very negative setting. They're left forgotten. Nobody cared about them. It's the backbones of haunted grounds. Oh, for sure. So many lost souls. They have nowhere to go. Nobody that thinks about them. So they're just stuck in this place that they were put into. So many suicides. It's just a sad, big energy. Yes. There are some common ghosts roaming this vast facility still. On the first floor, there's a little girl who is known as Susie. She is very playful and likes to play with toys in a specific room of 106. Susie has told paranormal investigators that she was just dropped off there. There's a man that resides in room 121. He's seen walking to room 108. He believed to have hung himself with a sheet from inside of the room on the doorknob and that is now what is now the janitor's closet and room 105 is known for activity people get a bad feeling when they walk in and believed a brutal rape has occurred in that room so you walk into this room and 
immediate feel, a negative energy, you feel violated, and you just want to get out of there. It is one of the most malicious rooms um, from the research that I have done on this. Um, a lot of people avoid this room, um, owners, janitors, etc. No one wants to go in that room. The man in room 121 seen walking into room 108. I don't know if a friend was in there, if he transferred rooms possibly, but you know that he had to be completely done and ready to end his life to commit suicide by hanging himself off a doorknob. Like, that has to be so hard yeah. to do. He has seen some shit. He definitely that has. That he just did not want to see anymore. And it makes you wonder if the second building, or the Edinburgh Manor, if they dealt with paranormal stuff on top of all the things that were happening in real time. Right. From the previous building. Yeah, like, and it's, these, it's crazy what, who knew if you were crazier if you were seeing stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. I was going to say that's the worst place for someone who is mentally insane, who does see things, who has schizophrenia. Um, you're seeing these spirits and, you know, these people were just treated like crap. Yes. All right, so on the second floor, um, there's the woman in white. So she is seen at the top of the stairwells between 12 and 2. Um, I don't know what that specific time is. Um, she disappears when people see her. There's also a white mist um, that is seen by the ceiling in the same location at other times. There's room 204. It is known for to have a fire truck moving about in, the, in that room. But the same truck also appears in other rooms mysteriously. So it's like the little boys just playing peekaboo. Um, room 200, the owner himself spent the night in there and felt his big toe grabbed. Once this happened, his nephew and his nephew's friend decided that they were going to put on a little investigation themselves, and they got the EVP, I grabbed you. No thank you. This little piggy went to market? You have to think if it is a kid playing a joke. Like You better hope. I grabbed your toe. Like It's I'm not a little sure boy. if... <laughs> It, I mean, it could go either way. It could be a little kid who's innocent just playing around with you, or if it's some weirdo, weirdo. Some mentally unstable man trying to be creepy. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the basement, everyone's favorite place. There's the first male ghost. Um, he's tall, and he wears a brown cowboy hat and a long duster coat. That in itself gives you a creepy vision. For sure. He appears between the hours 12 and 2 p.m. as well, so it kind of makes you wonder what that time frame was for. It makes me wonder if those were the only times that these patients were let out of their rooms and the only time that they were able to walk about the building. Yeah. The basement doors to the staircase open and shut by themselves, and the owner's dog is drawn to the staircase. There is a spirit by that is known as the Joker. He's malevolent, touches and makes marks on people, mainly by their necks. He is known to throw dishes in the dining room. He's tall and slender, has a crazy smile, mostly in what is known as the padded room, believed to have hung himself in there, and people who are known to have trouble breathing when they walk in there as well. So 
feeling like you can't catch your breath, getting marks on your neck. I think he's wanting people to feel what he felt yeah. when he hung himself. Absolutely. He doesn't seem like he would be very nice. <laughs> he seems like he, the Joker, it, I don't know, it gives a very creepy, sinister feeling. Yeah. If you would like to say that. All right, so every cell in my body is telling me not to, but I think that we should take a weekend and go up to Edinburgh Manor. <laughs> it's not that far from me, from me, not you, but from me. I'll make the drive to get my big toe grabbed. Exactly. <laughs> but I will say you can go into the padded room first. I will I, I will do that want. as the older sibling. I will take that sacrifice. All in all, this story it gives you an eerie feeling, but it also just makes me sad because it's like the spirits who walk there, I you just feel for them. You like they've had such a horrible life and now their spirits are just stuck in that same rotation and it just it makes me sad it makes me wonder with that little girl saying that she was just left here it makes me wonder if she was disabled in some way if she was mentally challenged um being a parent of a child who's mentally challenged i can't imagine just leaving my child there of course today is a very different day um in time than 1850 or in 1910. Um, it just, or if they just couldn't afford her, they just dropped her off because they figured she'd have a better life there. That concludes the story of the Edinburgh Manor. I feel that if we do get the chance to visit this place, I feel like we should do another story of our experience there and see if we can get any details of what we've read in these articles that we've researched. If we experience those same things, if we go, we need to go between the hours 12 and two. Yes. Um, since that seems to be a very known time that the spirits do make themselves present. Yes. Um, and then also like if they do overnight tours, I think that would be good as well. Um, just to get different spirits are so much more active at night and in the evenings. Um, and I think we'd get a well-rounded visit that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We will be keeping everybody updated with our updated stories. We definitely want to try to travel to a lot of the places that we will be talking about in the future as well. Um, so keep an eye out for those, but this does conclude our first episode we are very excited to get this podcast rolling and we'll be definitely talking about a wide variety of different stories. So if you guys have any suggestions or personal experiences or even questions or comments about anything that we talk about, feel free to email to Kaylin's email that she will include in the description. Yes, I will put that in the description. Also, in any of these places, we will post pictures of what they look like so you're not just left to the imagination. So we'll put that in the links for those pictures in the description as well. Um, I know this first episode is a little short. Mm -hmm. We are doing this remotely from each other, so bear with us. They will become longer episodes. We'll put a couple stories in if we have to. Um, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you continue to listen. Thanks for tuning in. We have just started, neither of us have done podcasting before. 
Uh, but we definitely want to get into it because we are very passionate about the stories that we do research on. And we ourselves like to listen to paranormal, urban legend, criminal like criminal minds <laughs> true crime but we like watching criminal minds too <laughs> big but criminal true mind crime fans. podcast stories we like hearing all of that so we definitely wanted to kind of dive in on our own and see what we can make with all of it yes so we will see you guys soon bye bye